you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we start with this one saying that the intended audience is everybody. And today we'll be speaking with our special guest, Dr. Sabrina Penn, on what her role is in the pharmacy technology and informatics world. So thank you so much for taking some time to be on the podcast, Sabrina. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for, you know, just being on the podcast and sharing your story. And I, I wanted to, I'm actually really excited to talk to you today because you have a really interesting journey. And um, I guess before we get into that, though, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I come from a past uh, career in IT, but right now um, I work as a pharmacy informaticist for Dignity Health. I oversee three facilities and um, I, I say often that my job is my hobby. I absolutely love it and passionate about growing informatics. Um, I have students on rotation with me, as well as um, I'm the preceptor for our residents as well. So I spend a lot of time just in that space and in the automation world as well. So that's kind of like, I guess, a broad level overview of, of kind of what I do. But I can certainly go into my background a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was curious about like, I mean, aside from the obvious point that you used to work in IT, but what other kind of reason was it that kind of pushed you into working into the informatics space? Yeah. So so originally, I was in IT. I worked at IBM for several years. I was a contractor for managing network authorization lines. Um, I then later worked as a technology an- analyst for a local state university, and I actually re- uh, found some barriers even in the IT space when it comes to healthcare. So what I actually did there is I spent a lot of time supporting the clinics and the technology needs of those clinics, but due to my lack of education really in the healthcare space, I couldn't really make decisions based off of clinically significant events. Um, And that's something that often I see within IT even today, because they're often siloed. So they know what they know, and their scope is often small, as mine was as well. And um, you can report that you know that this is a problem, but you can't really say that this is more clinically significant of a problem than this other thing without really having a background in healthcare in some capacity where you can speak to that. So my brain is very mechanism oriented and I love the way that um, computers work, machine work, programming um, and that sort of thing. And so mechanisms of the, of the human body kind of became an obvious transition for me. So I pursued pharmacy. At the time when I left IT and I went to school, there wasn't really anybody that I had encountered that even knew anybody from the field other than I think maybe one person in California, but they just had no idea whether or not this was even a career path for me. But I I had a hard time not seeing potential based off of my role in IT. So I ended up kind of staying along and I interned all throughout school. And when I graduated, uh, Dignity Health was uh, gracious enough to kind of merge my background with my clinical expertise into kind of a perfect role where I kind of muddy the waters of IT and pharmacy quite often. And it's something that I really see a lot of promise in as a field, but I do have to clarify with all my students that, okay, well, you know, you wouldn't normally want to hire a pharmacist for server administration, but this is kind of the functions that I do based off of my role. 
I do have a lot of kind of opinions as to kind of where the line would be with that. But that is something I still have to clarify with my students because they'll say, well, wait, hold on, this is IT. Why are you doing IT work when you're a pharmacist? And um, and how does that all kind of correlate? But that's kind of the space that I operate in. It's a, I have a very strong automation and information tech technology realm kind of alongside of my work in the informatics space. Oh, wow. That's really cool. And you know, like for the IT experience, like when you're working at IBM at Arizona State. Um, so for your experience, did it help you like have a different mindset when you were going through pharmacy school? I think it did because I, it, I mean, it really kind of gave me the really the big blaring problems within pharmacy as a whole. It kind of enlightened me to a lot of the issues and the frustrations that actually end up delaying patient care. So, and this is something I tell my students too, you can dose a Vanco perfectly. You could dose them and, and spend a, a large amount of time making sure that um, that this dose is efficient and effective for them and, um, and, and, and really safe. But if it doesn't actually get to the patient or if the nurse can't chart on it or if there's no, there isn't, if that technology isn't there really to support your clinical decision making, it really kind of nullifies all of your work. So that was kind of what shaped me. It became a lot less about, I think, memorizing things and more about trying to create solutions to common problems that might be unconventional and might not be what's even taught in school. And it sounds like there's a lot of other folks um, in the informatics space that have um, kind of had that same perspective, which is really encouraging that to have that uh, community that we can lean on when we do have those problems, knowing that more likely than not, the problem that you're facing at your hospital is not the only one that has ever existed in the nation. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And, uh, you know, kind of um, going into what you do day to day, though, what is your typical day? Because like every kind of informatics pharmacist does something different. And I was curious about for your position, do you have like a very common day to day? Or is it, you know, as as needed, you know, like every, everything's different every day? It is, it is, it is a little bit different every day. But I would say like the principles of probably what I do is all the same. Um, I spend a lot in the finance space in terms of, uh, I, I'm sure as a lot of informaticists do, and making sure that drugs are um, being billed appropriately, correctly, um, that it is crossing the interface correctly. Uh, I also do a, a lot of interface development. So that probably is something that puts me a little bit more on the IT side. So if there's any big project that is involving um, server administration, changes, upgrades, that sort of thing, or even just new lines of communications between systems, I act to kind of uh, help set a lot of those up. I will spend a lot of time in terms of like building things in and of itself within the EHR. We have a very decentralized model, which is fantastic. And there's only a few of us that really do a lot of the building within our system. And I'm one of those people. So normally, because we're the flagship, a lot of our initiatives are really start with us, um, which is really exciting. And, but also they can be built the way that we need them built um, safely. I spend a lot of time in that space as well. And then there's the automation side. So, you know, that's more of the um, the local pharmacy technology as well as like the automated dispensing cabinets, really the medication use process and supporting that. I'm really involved in auditing all of our systems and making sure that things are operating the way that they ought to, as well as error investigation and um, uh, events and, and that sort of thing as well. But I would say what kind of separates probably my work from others in the informatics space would probably have to be more of my role in terms of uh, report writing, 
I am one of the report writers, and so I spend a lot of time uh, coding. I also kind of do a little bit of light um, software development, particularly in the realm of like developing like local macros and that kind of thing, but also some basic programs that kind of optimize care. So I spend a lot of time in that space as well. Uh, but I would say that in terms of like the IT side of things, mainly it's been in terms of um, report writing, our automation, as well as our uh, our server management. I had originally spent a lot more time in the networking and, and security space, but I have kind of since changed my perspective on that. I have noticed there have been some informatics programs that have geared towards really training pharmacists to be a network engineer or an analyst. And it seems like it would probably be a better fit for a pharmacist to be involved a little bit in the clinical space, just because from a networking and security perspective, there really is no room or at least very little room for any clinical decision making. You wouldn't want, you know, to use a screwdriver if a hammer was needed. So, you you know, you want to use the skills that's needed for the job. There are folks that specifically go into network administration and security, and those skills are very honed. There's a lot of certifications around them, and I don't see a lot of opportunities for pharmacists really in that space, at least at this time. So I have kind of since stepped back from that, but I am involved a little bit more on a server administration perspective. Wow, that sounds like you do a lot. And um, it's actually really cool to hear because it's like they, they know your experience before, uh, before pharmacy school, and they're leveraging the, the skills that you have for that. I think that's like one of the things I've seen too, that because everyone has a different background and everyone has a different level of training that pharmacy for informaticists, like they may be doing different things because of the different skills that they have. So uh, thanks for highlighting that. I also wanted to ask you for your role doing all this IT work. Was there actually some formal training you had to do on the job or was it kind of like based on your skills that you already had that you, you kind of developed over the years? That's a really good question because I still get that question from um, my students as well, and it's a very difficult thing to answer. My role is based off of really my years of experience, even just doing SQL. I didn't have to learn SQL. I did have to learn a little bit more of the project, of the principles of project management. So that part is new to me. And it's something that is very embedded in my job in having that skill set. And that is something that I have been learning kind of on the side. But in terms of technical ability, that all really came from my past career in IT. And when my students have come up to me and they said, okay, well, what programming languages do I need to learn? I'd say, well, it depends if you're going to use them. You know, it really depends on the organization and where they would fit um, and utilize for informaticists. And it also really depends on their hospital model, kind of what it seems like you were alluding to, because oftentimes they'll have an informaticist locally uh, to do great big enterprise things, kind of what I um, have in my role. And that is great. And there's pros and cons kind of to that approach. But there are some other organizations that have more of a centralized role where things are a lot more standardized, uh, which would uh, decrease the amount of error. So I think it depends on what kind of model uh, your healthcare organization takes in terms of how they support their system and where then you would fit in. On a centralized model where they have informaticists kind of uh, assigned away from a particular facility and more geared toward corporate, it seems 
they are a little bit more siloed in terms of what their responsibilities are. So in order to prevent error and to standardize their uh, their builds as much as possible versus where as a decentralized model, it seemed like there's a little bit less of a formal structure where if you really wanted to get into report writing, for example, you probably could and you could learn SQL on your own. Or if you have Cerner, you could learn CCL, which really is kind of a a cousin of SQL. And so you could learn that and then, you know, hope for some blessing that um, that you can pursue that route. But it really depends, I think, on where you hope to end up and what kind of role you seek to have. And so many informaticists have very, very different roles. There's informaticists I don't overlap with at all, which is astonishing to me. Uh, but it's great because of the variation of skill set. And if students can kind of have an idea of this, okay, I know I, I, I don't want to lean toward IT, I want to lean a little bit more toward the clinical decision making modules, then at least they know that they could potentially maybe get certified in maybe a particular EHR flavor if it would be epic training or whatnot, where that would basically support their progress and their claim that, that they understand that, that decision making. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's actually a big thing that, you know, students ask me too, is like uh, asking about like uh, what kind of programming languages do they need to know? And I typically say too, it, it's it's because like a lot of the programming languages are basically proprietary to the electronic health records. It's kind of hard to even select one because it becomes a little bit too vendor specific, which is unfortunate in a way it's it's kind of tough because like sometimes i tell them to just if you want to learn the logic of how a language works just pick one of the languages and learn it like maybe python or something similar so that you understand how programming languages are structured um so that you know when you do get into the informatics space and you you may have to do that then it's kind of like understand the concepts but but yeah like i totally agree with you in terms of um it being a very difficult thing to answer just because of like how there's so many different things out there for for people to potentially do. But going back onto your your current role, are there any like, you know, big projects that stood out to you that you wanted to share or maybe something that you can talk about that's uh, oncoming right now? Well, I, I think I think a lot of my projects right now are kind of centered around growth. So there's a lot of uncertainty around that. We just merged with Catholic Healthcare Initiatives. So now we're the largest nonprofit in the nation. And what that means for an organization is still kind of all being ironed out. We're opening up urgent care clinics um, and with different models of care. And those are all things that from an informatics perspective that, that I need to manage, as well as maintaining all these different formularies for di- very different patients populations, particularly the inpatient and outpatient space. And honestly, I would say that one of the biggest struggles I probably have, and and maybe this would be a common note with others, is the transitions of care really from the inpatient to the outpatient space. When patients are discharged, how is that process, I guess, flowing? Are the physicians able to find the order both they are and having those medications dispensed in a quick and timely manner and a safe manner for the patient to be discharged really from the hospital? We have a med to beds kind of program, which helps, but also makes it a lot more challenging from a, a technology perspective. And so I feel like I struggle because I also support the outpatient space as well. I struggle really of combining the two, especially when both spaces really have different systems. 
So one of them might have Sterner, but then you're using this proprietary, you know, other piece of software, which may or may not interact with Sterner Millennium. So then you're trying to figure out how can we really get the data we need in order to evaluate whether or not the errors are even happening in a system that is a week at reporting. We also are really big now in, in the uh, specialty medication space. And so that adds kind of another layer of complexity of trying to figure out how to kind of approach a lot of these build. So just to prevent errors from happening, just just to prevent delays, allow the queues operate in a, a neat and orderly manner for the pharmacist to respond to them and, and to ensure that everyone has the, the correct level of access to that. But data reporting seems to always kind of be a common theme, um, ultimately at the end of the day with that, because with data, at least you know where your gaps are. Oftentimes, the data reporting is so poor, you don't even really know where your gaps are. So you're having to kind of look at a more of a refined patient level, which is very time consuming to try to figure out what is really happening and is your system working the way that it needs to. So I don't know if you've had any experience kind of in that space, but uh, but it's certainly been one I've struggled with, even from an automation perspective and an EHR perspective. And in terms of like bigger projects, it seems to be an ongoing theme with me. And I have a feeling it'll probably be one that I will um, keep pursuing and keep wanting to refine, as especially as things change and policies change and legislation changes and so on, and our dispensing changes on top of that as well. I'm really glad that you brought up the whole specialty pharmacy and also about how difficult it is to get data to to be integrated correctly. Because yeah, we we are running into challenges too for for where I'm at with some of the uh, third party solutions that we have to get data correctly out of our system so that it goes into their applications to get the analytics done correctly because we're doing something with uh, drug diversion right now. Our next big thing too is about specialty pharmacy, which we're going to be using a, a third party solution. But yeah, like all those things that you mentioned about having those different systems to get the right data, correct and accurate data to the system and you know going back to like that's, I think that's a struggle that many of us have. And I'm glad that you you shared that. But, you know, also going on to the note of people who want to learn more, right? Learning more about maybe just learning more about the profession. Like, do you have any particular advice for not just students, but also other pharmacists who are coming into the profession? Because I, I know for you, you have finished getting your degree and you worked as a pharmacist for a bit and then was able to get into the informatics space with your uh, specialized background in IT. What kind of like advice could you give to someone else that's already working as a pharmacist and they want to get into the space? Yeah. And this is something I tell uh, everyone, regardless of when they come to me. So it is kind of a one-fits-all piece of advice, and it does sound very strange. So I'll probably have to explain a little bit. But I say that if there is if there is any desire to pursue informatics or if you're interested in learning more about the field, become an overnight pharmacist first. And that sounds very strange. Like, why would I want to? That seems like it's the opposite direction of where I want to pursue. Why wouldn't I just pursue informatics? Well, the main piece of informatics, regardless of whether or not you're spending more time in the IT space or in outpatient or ambulatory or what have you, um, your whole role is based around the medication use process. And when working as an overnight pharmacist, you need to understand that process like the back of your hand. And because you're it, you're the one who really owns that house during that period of time. Oftentimes, you'll be the only one. You'll build relationships with the physicians and with the nurses. Downtime often happens at night. And 
you know, there isn't a lot of people to call during that time. So you do have to really understand how things are being dissensed and administered and and troubleshooting problems with minimal support. So I have found that those who have become overnight pharmacists then really start to really grasp and understand that process. And as a result, when they when they are looking at informatics positions, it's really just the technical aspects that they're really missing, which, in my opinion, can be taught. You can learn a piece of software. You can learn how to program. I love that you brought up Python because that's always the one I recommend to, uh, just from a structure uh, perspective. It's fantastic. And you, and you can learn that stuff. You can learn project management. But it's really hard to learn how to manage a pharmacy without having that time and without having that those uh, pressures and, and having being put in that space of where you're having to make clinical judgment calls that may or may not be life or death. That is something that as an informaticist you are put in. It's a slightly different angle because your customers you know, aren't initially patients, but you help those who help patients. And when you understand that process and what's all needed and how to respond there, I think it makes you 10 times better as an informaticist once you actually enter that position. Well, that's actually an advice I have never heard of. And that makes complete sense to me. I, I think like a lot of the um, overnight or graveyard pharmacists that I've worked with, they really do have a good understanding and bring up really good points to uh, to the whole workflow. So uh, it's interesting. I didn't even actually think about that, but that's per- a perfect like you know suggestion. Like, I thank you for sharing that. That's that's really cool that you were able to point that out. <laughs> I mean, it's really not something that most people will think about. Like, why would you want to, you know, saddle yourself kind of in that kind of role? Wouldn't it be hard to get out? But I would argue, I, I have seen so many overnight pharmacists even to cross over and enter in, into the clinical space exclusively as a result of their work as an overnight pharmacist. So I definitely see a lot of potential. Thanks for sharing that really unique advice. If anybody wanted to reach out to you to ask any further questions, uh, what's the best way that they can reach out to you? Um, the best way I would say would be LinkedIn, and then I can uh, send you a message from there. Awesome, awesome. So thank you so much. So I'll be putting your your LinkedIn into our show notes so people can reach out to you. But to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really been an honor. Alright, if you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy. CIT and me, and remember, technology is the tool, patient care is the goal.